It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. or anything you good i'm always good i'm so good welcome to the child care barn real podcast jeff johnson here samantha balch over there how you doing sam i'm good i think that might have been a record for that the, was, uh... yeah well you know i don't like i don't like all of them to be the same we got to have no, some consistency there, there here but variety the listeners have... wonder is my CD skipping the CD that I burned of the childcare bar and girl podcast? Is that, is that skipping? Is there a scratch? Yes. Yes. Because we get, or, or is he just phoning it in? Does he have that recorded and he's, uh, he's just here? playing that every time or is that part of the intro That's a hologram? <laughs> um, oh man, I can't wait till I'm a hologram. I've talked to Lisa Murphy about this. The, the technology okay. exists. It's about $50,000, but That's you can buy these. honestly not bad. You can buy these little booths that you can put on on stage at places and, and hologram people in nowadays, Sam. Are you, but now are you saying you can't wait to be a hologram because right now in your current corporeal form, you just want to put a hologram of yourself like in Australia? Or are you saying like when you pass on beyond this earthly plane, you'd like a hologram of yourself to haunt people? Sam, embrace the power of and. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, I, can, I can do both um so wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about uh continuity um it's funny that you made the intro slightly different on an episode about continuity but that's neither here nor there i mean it's almost like that was planned uh, <laughs> well I, I think i think continuity is important but um there's a place where continuity meets rigor is that and it becomes rigid and stale yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's that place. I think, it, but fell behind the pantry. But it 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 we we need. I think children, um, especially the younger humans, are kind of wired for continuity and predictability. They are. The brain and, loves patterns. And so that's that's an important thing. And and so I made some notes about continuity here. I don't know where you want to jump in, but I think one of the things we talk about a lot on the show is is the importance of continuity of practice and where a lot of programs struggle is that there is a lack of continuity from one room or one teacher or, 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 or one classroom, whatever it is, um, to the next. And so kids have a really hard time operating in those kinds of environments when they, they need to act and behave one way for one teacher and another way for another teacher. 
And that can be really difficult because that may, that may change multiple times during a day for a child, or it might just be when they have a birthday and move on to the next room, everything changes, but uh, it can yeah. be, it can be tough. And you're making kind of a face while I'm talking got, about this. I've got so. about a thousand yard stare on just because this is something I'm currently dealing with in my well, own work right now. Talk it, about it as much as you can. Is this continuity of practice? Um, the... I think one thing that's coming up a lot for me that I'm noticing and that I've, I've mentioned a few times, and it's, it's a very awkward thing to mention, um, is discipline. So I'm, I'm of the, like, the, like, um, I really like Maria Montessori's quote about how um, discipline isn't what you do to a child, it's what you instill within them. So I tend to think about it like that. Um, and I work with some people who are a little more old school and a little more. More old um, school than, well, wait, time out. More old school than Maria Montessori? Yeah, more old school than Maria Montessori um, who are more along the lines of sitting out playtimes and that kind of thing. Like when a child does something, they then lose the quote privilege unquote of being able to do this other perceived fun thing. And I think that that is both incredibly damaging and incredibly lazy. So something I am trying to work on personally and like with you know, my coworkers, um, if you don't know me, by the way, I'm just, I'm just a teacher. I don't like have any other role. I'm just like teacher. Mm -hmm. And also I guess like chief annoying person. Um, I'm going to say teacher slash troublemaker. Yeah. Teacher slash, oh my God. Teacher slash her. Um, like I'm trying to work on how do we bring up these conversations in a way that are productive and aren't go. And how do we bring up these conversations with people who upon having them are most likely going to become incredibly defensive because this is the way we've always done it. And like, but that's the wrong kind of consistency. So yeah. And I, like, I notice a change in kids like between certain staff members because they know a way to interact with one person and a way to interact with another person. And then I see kids that struggle a lot because they're like, I I'm doing what I'm asked to do for six hours of the day and now it's another six hours and I'm supposed to do things differently and but I don't really understand because the way I'm doing it in the morning like is really comfortable for me or the way I'm doing it in the afternoon is really comfortable for me um and I'm also seeing a lot of like I don't I don't think resentment's the right word but definitely a lot of um judgment slash labeling upon children based on the things that they do and the, like the, the discipline beliefs of the person. Um, like so-and-so is a bad kid because I constantly have to tell them to stop doing X, Y, Z or to, you know, remember to do this or remember to do that. It's like, but no, what if we flipped the way we were thinking about it instead? What if instead of so-and-so never remembers to put their shoes away? What if it was, oh, Susie, we're getting ready to go inside. Did you need help stacking up your slippers or are you good? And like giving them a reminder and then going on with our day as opposed to just saying, Susie, where are your shoes? Where are your shoes? What are you doing? Where are your shoes? 
it's sticky. It, and, and, and so how do we get to that, that consistency piece? Because I mean, where programs struggle often is they, they hire the people that apply that, I mean, right. you can only hire from the, the people that show right. up and want the job. And yeah. so you may not find somebody who, who agrees with with the way things are done and is going to have their own spin on it and and most programs don't put enough time and energy into onboarding to kind of get everybody on the same page and so it becomes a kind of sticky situation Uh, absolutely and i mean quite honestly I, i do not know the answer i do think that a lot of the answer lies somewhere in adequate time for staff conversation and just understanding each other and where we come from, adequate time for teachers to explore that personally. You know, what is it that's made you want this job, want to work with children? What was your childhood like? What are these things that really stick out for you? And I do think having a really strong um, mission statement, vision statement, values, whatever that is, that's also very visible, not like not saying like it's painted on the side of the school, but that you can understand how a program is living its values and you can really see that. I think that is incredibly helpful. Like there, I I worked at a program once um, that was very intentional about social emotional problem solving. That was something that was really, really at the core of their their interest and their, their learning and their practice. So it was, immediately obvious when I went to visit the school for the first time how they dealt with it because when there was a child who sat down in a seat where another child was also trying to get to the teacher did not from across the room say get up Kevin was gonna sit there the teacher came over and said oh I noticed that Kevin is kind of disappointed because he had been walking towards the seat and you sat down there did you know that he wanted to sit there and they, they spent what seemed, you know, what could be considered an inordinate amount of time talking about a chair, but the children were doing some listening and then doing the talking with each other and figuring out what they wanted to do and what they were going to do going forward. So I immediately understood, okay, the way we deal with conflict here is very head on and is very in as far as it can be with things like this, very neutral. It's not all about you have to share or you have to do X, Y, Z. It's about getting the children to come to these conclusions. So seeing that in practice, I think, is really, really important. How do you get people to do it in practice when you have to hire the people who apply? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, oh, I think the way you, I think the way you do it is you, you make sure you've got a a the the most effective and clear onboarding process that you can because that person that shows up you need to you need to bring them into the culture the culture of the program right and so expecting you know making explicitly saying continuity of practice is important is important to do like i think i think a lot of times a lot of programs that doesn't even crop like that doesn't cross people's minds they're like oh well you know the three-year-old classroom does this and the four-year-old classroom does this and we all just do it differently. But I think if we had more programs that were really outspoken about the fact that we are really intentional in how we build on each other throughout 
a child's time here and the teacher's time here, like the teachers are learning from each other and building on each other and the practices might become slightly different, but overall they're rooted in the same kinds of things. You know, I think you would see more of that and be able to do more of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, everything just becomes easier when programs put in that effort. Everybody is kind of playing the same tune. And so things that maybe classroom teachers don't think about maybe as much that administrators, they need to think about more things like, like marketing the program, because it becomes infinitely easier when you know that the, the same philosophy, philosophy and approach are used in each one of the classrooms. It becomes easier to market the program as a cohesive structure um, when everybody's on the same page, where that, where that, that consistency and, and oh. continuity is there. Um, it, it becomes, I mean, moving from classroom to classroom becomes easier, not only for the children, but for the parents when they know that, Hey, we were engaged in messy play and we brought messy clothes to the, when we were in the two, two-year-old room. And it's going to be just like that, except the clothes are a little bit bigger in the three-year-old classroom. And, and, and there's, I think a lot of programs just for whatever reason. And I mean, I'll say a lot of times, whatever reason is uh, bad pay, long hours, no social infrastructure. Yeah, maybe. Like, why would I spend my time learning about this for twelve fifty an hour? And you know, it's I'm I'm stressed out all the time. And yeah, I like I can I I can totally understand choosing to skip it. Like, I don't think you should, but I can sure. I can absolutely understand where it comes from. I, I also, I also think, you know, you know what the pay was when you took the job. So, I mean, you can't. And the pay should be better. You can't use, you can't use that as an excuse for, for not doing the job. Um, another continuity thing is, is the whole idea. And I mean, this is kind of a, a West Ed uh, program for infant toddler training kind of thing. The continuity of care, just mm-hmm. having that, that same group of caregivers with a group of children over, over longer periods of time, two to three to to plus years. Um, All the research seems to be really, not all the research, because some research has nothing to do with this, but the research on this topic seems to be pretty clear that continuity of care is by far the best choice for kids. Um, One, because the social, the social emotional aspects of it, but that's the foundation for all the learning stuff. And so when those- I think something we don't talk about a lot when we talk about continuity of care is how much more comfortable that can be for teachers to know families for three years, four years, to have them for that long, to know them so intimately and to know those children so well, like that your days become so much less stressful when you're like, well, I know Susie so well. And I know like, like, of course she's upset today. Of course today was a hard day. Her, her dad's on a trip and she always feels really upset when this happens. I know what she enjoys doing. I'm going to make sure that I have some of these, you know, sensory activities that Susie really loves because I know today is going to be a little hard for her. Yeah. And like that, that just, it takes so much guesswork out of your day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, for some people it's hard to commit to that, that, that emotional entanglement. Is that what it is? Oh, yeah. 
for sure. Because it, I mean, it can be emotionally draining to to some extent. But but the 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 alternative, the kids moving out of the classroom every time they have a birthday, is is also emotionally draining because that kid comes in and they're they're emotionally distraught because they're into this new classroom and they don't know anybody and it's everything has changed, um, and so they're kind of in chaos for the first six or eight or twelve weeks or months. And, and a lot of kids, by the time they're truly, really settling in, it's time to move into the next classroom. Yeah. And that's yeah. just kind of a, and, kind of a hard way to be. You know, that's when the teachers are settling in too, right? Sure. And, Cause you know, you meet kids and you're like, okay, this is great. Like cannot wait to get to know you better. Everything's going to be awesome. And then you start to learn some more of the quirks of the child or some more of the needs of the child, some more of the interests. And, you know, it can get, I find it really Obviously, I enjoy it. I enjoy my work and I enjoy this field. Um, but it's definitely draining to have to get to know kids so well in such a small span of time only to say goodbye to them, you know, 12 months later. Sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hard. Not yeah. saying it wouldn't be hard to say goodbye to them in two, three, four years, but you know, it is hard right now as it is. Yeah. And I, I think this is this is one. One place that that quality family child care beats out quality center based care just about all the time because of the continuity, uh, because, you know, I back I mean, I've got experience in both settings and family care was was when we by far had the best relationships with not only the kids, but with with the parents, because yeah. that that relationship matters, too. And when, when you can take time to be, build that, when you're consistently seeing the, the same staff person, when you drop your kids off in the morning, those kind of things, it does get, does kind of build, build those relationships and the reliability and the predictability. And, and you just kind of, it becomes more, I mean, really more homey. And, and, and there are centers that do this. It, it involves. I know, I know a couple that do, that do like, the, the teachers move classrooms mm-hmm. with the children and yeah. it's really it's a really beautiful thing and there are a lot of ways it's really hard right it's it is difficult to have to have so instead of being you know I'm specialized with three-year-olds like to be ready to work with all of these different age groups in a cycle it is hard and like you said Jeff like it's so rewarding a lot of the t- like almost all of the time to like have those children with you for that long to really know their families, to really know these children, to watch these kids become big siblings, yeah, you know, or to know that the next year you're gonna, you know, this is the last of this family. This was the youngest. And now, you know, you've had all of those kids and now the youngest is going to go off to elementary school. Like, and then, and then there's a, a, a big dust storm that blows in pollen and you have a bad allergy attack. They're <laughs> right? leaving. <laughs> There's so many onions being covered. <laughs> it's, it's so hard. Uh, another continuity thing I had in my notes here was was the the home program continuity, um, because you know if there's if there's not a lot of continuity between what's going on in the home setting and what's going on in the program setting as far as well things like discipline, like you were talking about earlier, practice or media use or or the way we use language or those kind of things, it can be really hard on kids. It, it, it sure can be. I mean, and, I, I feel like I have a ton of experience with that just by nature of the program I worked in for homeless children and other children experiencing um, transition or homelessness. It was, 
that that was a big factor in it was a lot of these children um, when they weren't in our care were on the bus going from place to place staying with grandma staying with mom's boyfriend staying at an overnight shelter a lot of times because I mean their families are just trying to survive through every day um a lot of media use in those situations because who can blame you right these these parents are trying to get to their WIC meetings and then get to their housing meeting and the most consistent thing they can do is give their kid the iPad and have them watch a show so that they know they don't have to worry about missing the bus they don't have to worry about you know, the kid being too loud or cranky in the meeting, they can just get it done. And then to have that child have the whiplash of the transition to this program where now there's no iPads and now I'm supposed to be doing stuff. And now I'm being told I need to eat with a fork and this food is hot or this food is cold and I'm not used to that. Or this is food I've never eaten before. It's a lot it's hard. I mean, that is, you know, a really extreme example of the differences in continuity. Small things definitely yeah. make a difference too. Um, I think we all know some kids that like definitely are in charge at home and then and, they come and, to school and they have to realize they're not in charge. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this is when we, I mean, as, as caregivers programs have very little control over this one, I mean, we can we can come up with policies and practices that bring bring the 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 different areas of our of our program more into sync and bring more right. continuity you can as with them. As you want, but yeah, but there, we but we have very little influence about what goes on in those home situations, and so I get, the best we can do there is try to understand those situations and be more informed and aware, right? And and then just just act as well as we can based yeah, on those situations. Really other types of continuity really come into play for us, right? Is because we can control the continuity of our classrooms and our days. Yeah. As soon as they, you know, walk out the gate, we can't. So what are we giving them during the day? This was a really big theme for us um, at the center I was just mentioning was what do we give them during the day that is consistent and that is predictable and that is reliable? Yeah, because they might not have those things anyplace else yep. in their life. Like, okay, like we're gonna we're gonna do this, and this this is how we're gonna do it, and eventually, we know it's gonna pay off. Eventually, we know that this stability is going to be, you know, just really great for them because yeah. we know stability is great. So we have to work through all of the growing pains that come with being introduced to this new stable environment. Um, And even again, for the less extreme examples of a kid who, you know, maybe gets to talk to their parents in a certain way at home and is not invited to do that at school, like working through those growing pains will pay off in the end. Yeah. Yeah. And I think another way we can kind of influence um, and maybe kind of build continuity between home is look for those opportunities when, when parents are are struggling or looking for advice and support about how to handle different situations and, and and let them know, kind of train them up on how you do things in your program. Because if, if things like discipline behavior management are handled the same 
way at home as they are in the program, that just makes life a hell of a lot more predictable for that kid. And now, granted, those kids probably need a lot more stability compared to what you are talking about with the uh, with the kids you are working with in in, in that program um, for for this to work. But I mean, we've had situations where you know things from getting them to stop walking around with a pacifier in their mouth when they're four and a half years old, or or housebreaking them, or getting them to wear pants. Yeah, wearing wearing pants. Uh, alternatives to uh time out those kind of things a big one we have is um carrying their own stuff and (laughs) taking care of their own no this is like a big issue we have we have a lot of four-year-olds a lot of five-year-olds or almost five-year-olds that like do not carry their own lunchbox or their own water bottle and so as soon as they come into school right now with um the way our health department tells us procedures are happening parents can't enter the classroom so we have like a lovely table outside and that's where like we do the check-in and they sign in and the parents will put the stuff on the table or a lot of times they will try to hand it to me and I'll say oh you can put it on the table Susie will grab it Susie will bring it in she'll bring it on in no she's got it she can carry it she's so strong and like there are kids that will put up a fight I'm oh like, sure you got it let's go. And eventually I do have one, I actually do have one girl um, who I was thinking about when I was calling her Susie, um, who will every day try and get me to carry her stuff. And every day I will not do it. And she has finally, it is, um, we are recording in November. Um, I've been working with her in this classroom since July, but even earlier than that in the classroom she moved up from. Um, Just now she stopped asking me yeah yeah it could take and and the the way they'll get i mean we've had we've had over the years plenty of kids who were 100 percent uh potty trained in our program and in dapers all weekend at home because they just weren't weren't yep there wasn't the consistency there to to do it and they could and so those things are those things are real the last one i've got on my list sam is is personal consistency um in, in your Define. practice. And, and I, you know, I think if you're, it's, it's one thing to talk about being playful with kids, but being able to be playful in your own life and, and those kind of things. Um, and so I think, I think doing the job is, is a lot easier if you've, you've got that just kind of internal consistency with the way you, you approach children and people and life in general. I have a story for you. I always have a story. I just, I love the sound of my own voice. Uh, but this, this is something that happened today, actually, that after you had texted me consistency um, and now talking about personal consistency, um, I was thinking about. And so today um, I live in Hawaii. Sorry for everyone listening. That's <laughs> where I live. Um, we're out on the lanai. So we're on the deck and I am serving snack to the children. And I finished kind of like the snack they're they're eating but I finished serving it um and it's you know the kids who want to eat eat and the ones that don't are playing and as I'm cleaning up I notice a little gecko on the we have like a mini fridge outside where we keep the milk and stuff when we're serving snack I'm like oh gecko! I love geckos I think they're so cute they're these little the like if you've ever been here um the green ones and they've got a little bit of yellow and they've got the blue around their eyes I think they're adorable I think delicious too yeah they taste amazing. Oh, they've got these cute little tongues. Anyway, this gecko is on top of the fridge and I watch it and it's licking the condensation off my water bottle. I'm just kind of staring at it. 
you're so cute. Look at you. Look at you doing your lizard thing. And then I think to myself, I'd like to catch this lizard. <laughs> so I try to, I like, I'm trying to get the lizard and it'll come near me and then it'll dart away. And I'm like, oh, oh, whoop. I'm, I am now pantomiming going around things to get the lizard. Um, Gecko goes onto the floor. It goes on my foot. I look at it on my foot. It scurries away. I get on the floor and I'm looking at it. And one of the kids who's eating snack asked me, Sam, what are you playing? I was like, oh, I'm like, there's a, there's a little baby gecko. And I think it's really cool. And I just wanted to see where it would go. <laughs> and part of me was like, am I a bad teacher? Is that, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> and then another part of me was like, no, that's probably like one of the more authentic moments you've had yeah. in a while of just... I was very interested in what this small lizard was doing. Did it live behind the fridge? Did it live under that, the deck? Where is it going? Can I try and feed it a Cheerio? I, to catch the gecko, would have uh, gotten a spray bottle and sprayed myself down so it appeared like I had condensation on me and, and waited for him to come up for a drink and then grabbed him. See, and that's where we differ is you had a plan for it. And I was just like, let's follow this lizard. Anyway, I'm going to see where this gecko goes for a little while. Y'all are good, right? You're not going to choke on your Cheerios or yeah, anything. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot about those children. I was chasing a lizard. <laughs> it's kind of like. And I was like half my, like I was paying attention to the children. Sure. Sure you were. So, so geckos are, the, are squirrels for Hawaiians. Um, No, just for me. Squirrel. Just for me. Like, look at that gecko. I will interrupt conversations with children and be like, oh, there's a gecko over there. And then they'll be like, oh. Yeah, I'm bleeding. (laughs) (laughs) No, I need an ice bath. No, but the gecko. Look at the gecko. (laughs) Look at the gecko. It's a cool gecko. Hey, listeners. One of the things that uh, we really want you to be consistent about and have a little bit of continuity in your life about is the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast. We're here for you Mondays you. and Saturdays. And oh, hey, um, we might be adding a, a third episode a week every once in a while now because uh, so much going on. So uh, in 2020, maybe maybe look out for the the rare Wednesday, maybe not rare, uh, periodic Wednesday episodes as the well. Rare or continuous. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, listeners, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, numbers just, we're just recording this November 1st. You're listening to it sometime in December. That's just the way it works. Uh, October, over 100,000 downloads for the month. That's uh, four hey. months at over 90,000 downloads a month, which is a, a big increase those last four months. So I don't know, I don't know who the new listeners are. Message me and, and tell me why, why the hell are you listening to this show? <laughs> Um, and tell us your problems (laughs) i mean how did you end up here how did how did you how did you end up in this uh, end up in this how did you end up in this bar and grill um i'm just really interested about that hey no we really appreciate it if you're if you're looking for for sam on the social media you'll find her on instagram maybe or don't you want people stalking you sam what's your Um, you can find me looking for lizards on your deck (laughs) um no i am i am on social media but very rarely yeah you look if you're looking for sam go to playvolutionhq.com slash samantha balch or go to instagram go to see sam stitch that's where i'm posting all my crochet stuff oh there's a new instagram that's my my crochet stuff because otherwise i keep bothering my sister she's like i do not want to see this 
like this is fun and great for you but i have a i have a job during the day that i need to do i cannot look at the otter that you're working on so if you you need to be entertained by crocheted animals check sam out there or like two hats back soon with another episode thanks for listening bye-bye This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.